by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Wasn't that wonderful? The presence of the Lord is in this place. It's true. When the praises go up, the power comes down, the glory of the Lord, the the presence of God is here to heal and to deliver. How many of you know that just during the praise and worship, you can be set free? You don't have to wait till the end of the service. You don't have to even go to the altar. Right there, your heart is an altar to the Lord. You just lay your burdens down. You cast your cares over on Him. You tell Him what you need. But you got to open that door. you got to come to Him with heart of praise and have faith to receive what God would have for his children. The, the promises of God are yes and amen. But we got to say the amen in faith. And it's there for you. God is here for you. Do you know that? He loves you so dearly. If you don't know that, I hope you, you figure that out before you leave. Okay, come on, technology. Here we go. How many was here for the wonderful teaching from uh, Brother Nicholas last Sunday? Let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> Do you know what a blessing you are to me, Nicholas? Just a blessing to this church. Because your life is a testimony of God's goodness. And, and you do something with what God has given you. Do you know he has just uh, finished his master's degree in theology? And he's studying now to be Dr. Nick. <laughs> Not the Dr. Nick that you may be thinking of, but the new Dr. Nick. <laughs> Not Elvis's doctor, okay, but the new Dr. Nick. And we're so excited about that. Nicholas, you're a blessing to this church, and, and we have such... Wonderful young ministers being developed here as part of our vision. Uh, we, I think about Joe, and I think about Josiah, and I think about Chad, and I think about you. I think about each one of you and what God is doing in your life, how he's bringing you around that wheel. And he will keep, he will keep bringing you around that wheel till, till the end. Till the, till that, till he's finished the work that he has started that he wants to do in you. The, the thing is, is we got to stay on the potter's wheel. Somebody in here might be discouraged right now. Well, my, my growth is not coming very quickly. I don't see. Just stay on the potter's wheel. God has his timing. It's our job to stick and stay. It's our job to praise and pray. Amen? I don't know where that came from, but that's for somebody. Our job is to stick and stay. Our job is to, to praise and pray. So that was for free. <clears throat> Lord, I just thank you, Father. I thank you for the opportunity to speak to your people today. Use me as a vessel, as a messenger, but let the glory go to you, Lord. Let the words that I speak as the, be as the oracles of God. Let it come from your heart and not from mine, Lord. Don't, don't let them get anything from me, but everything from you. Give every person here a, a chance to, if they came in and 
And if they're clouded with the things of this world and thoughts of other things and the weight of sin or whatever, we just cast everything down right now that we may hear, have ears to hear what your spirit would say to us because we want to be changed. We want to come closer to you, Jesus. We want to understand and we want to do. We want to be a doer of the word. So change our lives right now, Father, with your presence, with your power, with your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Jesus is teaching on the hillside. We, we know it as the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Are you a peacemaker? Because when you are a peacemaker, people recognize that you are a son of God. That's why they call you a son of God. You, you're like God. You bring peace wherever you go. You're not bringing division. You're not stirring up hatred. You're not gossiping about other people. You're not talking bad. There's something about you that brings peace. Peace in the situation. Peace in my heart just being around you. Have you noticed that when you walk into the room with some people, it's just like, oh, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> some people just bring that vibe, so to speak. But not you. Look at your neighbor and say, not you. You are a peacemaker. You bring peace. You're peacemakers. Everywhere Jesus went, he brought peace. He came to bring peace. He is the prince of peace. He, he came to bring peace between a sinful man and a holy God, and only he could do it. But he did it. And he is the prince of peace. And you're never more like Jesus when you're a peacemaker. Oh, it's easy to be the opposite. Anybody can do that. Everybody does that. But not you. Look at your neighbor and say, not you. You are a peacemaker. I just get, I, man, I just, I am so relaxed sitting next to you. <laughs> I am, man, I really feel good besides you. I just feel like there's nothing, no hidden agendas. I don't feel like you're judging me, condemning me, thinking bad about me. I don't think you got ulterior motives. I think, man, you just bring me peace. You must be a son of God. <laughs> there was a guy named Rodney. And old Rodney, you know, he was just a normal guy. He wasn't holy as God, but he wasn't as evil as the devil. He was somewhere in between, you know, like me and you. We all done bad stuff, but we all done some pretty good stuff. Rodney was just a regular fella. Well, one night in 1991, he was watching the game with his buddies, had a few too many to drink. Decided he was going to drive home. Bad decision. But you know, we're, in the, we're, we're not as holy as God. We're not as evil as the devil. We all make bad decisions. We have made bad decisions. Can we agree on that? We have made some bad decisions. 
So I'm not here to judge or point fingers at Rodney for making his bad decisions. But Rodney decided to drive home that night, and the popo got behind him and turned on the lights. Now Rodney thought to himself, I'm on probation because of other bad decisions he had made. I need to run. I need, if they get me, they put me in jail. It's going to mess up my probation. He made another bad decision. He ran. But how many of you know you can't run from helicopters? It's hard to run from the popo. Well, they caught up to Rodney. And they pulled Rodney out of the car. And on the side of the L.A. freeway, they beat Rodney half to death. They took those billy clubs. Now, I, like I said, I'm not here to judge the police. They probably got their side of the story too, right? There's always two sides of the story. Well, there's a whole bunch of sides of the story. Whoever's telling it. The police, they're not holy like God, but they're not all evil like the devil neither. They get up and they put their uniform on and they go out to serve and protect for the most part. They're willing to lay down their lives to serve and protect for the most part. Now, there are some, some that have made some bad decisions. And there were four that day that made a bad decision that they were going to take out their frustrations and anger on poor Rodney King. Well, it just so happens that an innocent bystander had a camera that day. Or else we'd never know about this story. And he videotaped it. Well, he sent it to the news, and the news played it. Then the national news played it, and pretty soon all of America was in an uproar. Racial tensions heightened. America became a tinderbox. Old wounds were exposed. Then in 1992, after the trial of those four officers, that beat Rodney King, they were acquitted, the tinderbox exploded. They began to burn down Los Angeles and other cities across the nation. Anger, understandably. But before it was over, 63 innocent lives were lost in the riots. Over 2,300 people were injured in the riots. It had nothing to do with it. Over $1 billion in property destroyed, people's livelihoods, people that had built this business and now it was burned to the ground. They had nothing to do with it. It was a terrible time in American history. And everybody was like, well, what does Rodney have to say? Well, I'm just going to tell you, Rodney, he was not holy like God. But he was not evil like the devil. He was just somewhere in there. Just like the police officers. And just like me and you. Just somewhere in there. But they wanted to know what this guy had to say. He's not a politician. He's not a professional speaker. He's just a guy that this thing happened to. And so they shoved these cameras in his face. 
They shove these microphones under his nose and say, tell us, Rodney, what we should do. Rodney had every right to say, get him. Let's burn this joker down. He could have said that. But Rodney had experienced the beating himself. Maybe he had tasted a little pain of the 63 innocent people that had died along the way and all the others who had been injured. Maybe he had had time to think about his community lying in flames. And that day, with all those cameras in his face, Rodney King became a peacemaker. I'm going to show you the video of that, of that press conference. We're going to let it play twice just so you can get a grip on it. I just want to say, you know, can we, can we all get along? Can we, can we get along? Um, can we stop making it, making it horrible for, for, the, for the older people and the, and the, and the, and the kids? And, I mean, we've got enough smog here in Los Angeles, um, let alone to uh, d deal with the uh, setting these fires and, and things. It's, it's just not right. It's not right. I just want to say, you know, can we, can we all get along? Can we, can we get along? Um, can we stop making it, making it horrible for... For the, for the older people and the, and, the, and, the, and the kids. And, I mean, we've got enough smog here in Los Angeles, um, let alone to uh, d deal with the uh, setting these fires and, and things. It's, it's just not right. It's not right. So today... I just want to say, can we all just get along? Because none of us are holy like God. And none of us are completely evil like the devil. And we're all just making our way through this life. We all, we all make those mistakes. We all make bad decisions. We all hurt other people. But let me ask you this. Does returning evil for evil solve the problem? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Where does that lead? When does that stop? And who wins in that scenario? That day, Rodney King, as flawed of an individual as he was, became a peacemaker and reflected the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? I was reading in Isaiah 58. In Isaiah 58, in subsequent chapters and before that too, it's just a long God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And he begins to discuss what constitutes true worship. What constitutes False worship, I guess you could say. And he began to name some things 
that his people, his, his people were doing in the name of worship. And he called them out and he says, you have a pious pretense of righteousness. You want everybody to think you got it all together. And you're pointing the fingers at everybody else. He said, you're fasting, but while you're fasting, you're fighting and quarreling. What good does it do to fast and then to fight? He said, you're demanding justice. Give me my rights, my justice, but you're denying it to others. Well, we're the ones that's right. We get the justice. No. Where does it say justice for all? Isn't that in our pledge? Isn't that God's way? That justice for everyone? Not, not just for you. Isn't it funny how we can justify the things we do but condemn somebody else that does the very same thing and not cut them any slack whatsoever? He says, you have plenty, but you're not sharing it with anybody. You are such a blessed people. But yet there's the homeless and the, the poor among you and the, the widows and the orphans. And you're not sharing it. He said, he's saying, this is false worship. This is not the worship I desire. He said, you're, you're pointing fingers and spreading vicious rumors. These are, now, I'm just paraphrasing the things. You read Isaiah 58 for yourself. This is just the highlights of the chapter. But you're spreading vicious rumors. This thing between your, your teeth and gums is like a wildfire. It's burning down the city. But God said, some among you will be different. One day I will raise up some people to sit on a purple chair in the Purple Passion Church that are going to be different. There will be some people among you. He said in Isaiah 58, 12, those from among you shall build the old waste places. They shall not just waste places, they'll build them back up. What the devil burned down, I'll get back in there and build it up again. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairers of the breach. That's the name of today's message, repairer of the breach. I want you to say, I am a repairer of the breaches. You know what a breach is, a break. A divide. He said, you shall be called. These, these that are among us that practice true worship shall be repairers of the breaches, the restorer of streets to dwell in. You're not going to be the ones that just sit back and watch the news and cry how terrible things are. Oh, it's just, I, we can't do nothing with this generation. These young people, these old people, these other people, every, all the, everybody but me is the cause of all this. No, that's not us. 
We are the repairers of the breach. And what we do with what we have in the love of Jesus Christ will last for many generations if Jesus tarries. You're a repairer of the breaches in your family. The generational curses of alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography. You are breaking those things from the generations past and you are setting a new example to your children. You are a repairer of the breach. There's a story that the Dutch tell about a young boy that came walking beside the dam that held the water back from his town and he saw it had had a breach and there was water pouring through it. And he thought to himself, if I let this go, it could, it could get bigger and it could cause the dam to bust and flood the whole city. So that young boy stuck his finger in the dam. And he stayed there all night in the freezing cold weather with his finger in the dam waiting for somebody to come so he could get some help to repair the breach. You've heard the story. The Dutch boy with his finger in the dam. And oh, Jesus is so much more than the Dutch boy with his finger in the dam. He repaired the breach. He came and he made all things new. He was the original repairer of the breach. And the breach was sin. The breach was selfishness. The breach was what sin had done in the lives of people. And the thoughts and the imaginations and what they were becoming. And Jesus said, I'll stand in the gap. I'll put my life in the gap. And he laid it down to repair the separation between a holy God and an evil man. Do you ever... Take inventory of the things that need repairing in your house. We live such blessed lives. We got nowadays you can talk to your refrigerator, I think. You walk by and you got a relationship with the toaster, I don't know. You <laughs> Everything's on voice command and so forth, you know. But the more stuff you have, the more problems you have. The more stuff that needs to be repaired. So I know I'm not alone in this room when I say every now and then you got to stop and write down all the things you got to fix. The things you enjoyed Monday through Friday, you got to take your Saturday to repair for next week. And as you're taking inventory of the things that need to be repaired in your house, God is saying, I want you to take inventory of the relationships that need to be repaired in your life. Because you got all these people. And as a repairer, a restorer of things, I need you to make it right. Some of you are saying, well, I, I will when they come to me. Huh? When they apologize. <laughs> 
Matthew 5.23, Jesus says, if you are presenting a sacrifice on the altar in the temple, in my house, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, not that you have something against them, but that they have something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. You know why? Because God don't want your sacrifice if you ain't right with the people around you. You ain't right with God if you ain't right with others. I don't want your stinking sacrifice if you're not willing to be a repairer of the relationships that are broken in your life. If you're not willing to be a peacemaker, I don't care who started it, who said what. That's second grade stuff in the sandbox. Be a, an adult. I'm not saying accept the blame. I'm not saying that you should let people continue to hurt you. I'm not saying any of that stuff. In fact, in Romans 12, 18, it says, if it is possible... If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. All men. Don't have some that you don't like, some that I don't deal with, some, you know. Live as, it, as much as you can. It doesn't say as much as they can. God's getting us to worry about us. You ever said, God, fix my wife? He'll say, God, you fix you, and that'll fix your wife. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, I hope this person next to me gets this message today. And God's saying, I hope you get this message today. <laughs> Uh-oh, everybody that laughed was thinking, that, I hope somebody else gets this message. <laughs> Y'all are something else. None of us are holy like God. But thankfully, none of us are evil as the devil. And we're all in there somewhere. But God's saying we all got to move in God's direction. And a good way to, good way to start is be a reconciler. You know, some people get a rush out of drama, I guess. Some people, you know, I see people that want to be police officers and stuff. I, man, I don't... That would be the worst thing ever. Please, you know, send me to jail, but don't make me be a police officer. I do not like drama. I don't want to be around drama. And that's all they deal with every day. But some people, I think, get a rush out of having friction in their life. They like to tell people what they're thinking. They like to, man, they get some kind of weird something on the inside, uh, adrenaline. What was it called? A, a dopamine from talking about people behind their backs or posting about them on social media, doing everything but being a peacemaker. But it's not, it's not even good for you. Not only is it not pleasing to God, it's not even good for you. It's terrible for you. The Carnegie Technologi Technological Institute has stated that 90% of all people 
who fail in their life's vocation fail because they cannot get along with other people. Wow. Now this is, this is a study from the Carnegie Technological Institute. This must be true. It's on the internet. But even if it's just a little bit true, it says that 90% of people fail at their, what their heart desires to do because they can't get along with other people. Maybe you find yourself in that position. I know, whew, I didn't mean to go here, but I remember the job I had before this. That was my problem. I wanted to, be, I wanted to move up, you know, and get more money and make, have a higher position or whatever. But I couldn't get along. Couldn't got, get along with other people. 90% will never get to where you're trying to get because you can't get along with other people. What if we change that? Are you willing to change that today? Are you willing to see that, hey, I ain't God. Why should I expect everybody else to be? That was a big statement. Thank you, God. Why are we expecting perfection out of everybody else except ourselves? Why do we have an excuse for everything we do, but we don't accept anybody else's excuses? Before I get preaching, let me go to 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3. That Corinthian church was, they were a handful. They weren't like the Passion Church. <laughs> Woo, them guys was jacked up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul writes to him. he says, For you're still controlled by your sinful nature. That implies that when you got saved, you're not supposed to be controlled by your sinful nature anymore. You're supposed to be controlled by the Spirit of God. You're supposed to be different. You're jealous of one another, quarreling with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? I think, let's, not, let's just lay our halos down for just a second. In many ways, we're controlled by our sinful nature. And, and the most predominant way to tell is how we feel about other people, other groups of people. How do you feel about Democrats? How do you feel about Republicans? How do you feel about rich people? How do you feel, how do you feel about Russians? How do you feel about the Chinese? Who has the devil stirred you against? When you think like that, you're choosing to walk in darkness and not in light. You're choosing to walk after the flesh and not after the spirit. To be carnally minded is death. That's all that, that leads to, death and darkness. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And, and what, peace? 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 Isn't that what we're talking about? Why is your mind going in a hundred different directions? Because you're labeling and you're pointing and you're mad and you're upset and you're judging. 
And you got this thing in your pocket that just fills you full of all that dopamine to keep it going. And you've become a zombie. I'm talking about the Corinthian church. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? That's the kind of thing we expect out of the world. And you know what? The reason we're not sitting, standing out like a city on the hills because they look to the church and they say, wow, the church judges more than we do. I feel more comfortable in my biker gang that they got my back better than the church. We find it so easy to write people off in today's culture, but thankfully Jesus left the 99 to come find me. <laughs> he didn't write me off. He could have went with the 99 and said, come on, we got enough. <laughs> we got 99, we don't need him. There's no throwaway people. You can't throw away anybody because we're all image bearers of our creator. Every last person. The mentally ill. The addicts. The, the ones that, oh, I saw a picture on the news of some guy I think it was in San Francisco or somewhere. They're just laying out on the streets. And they're just on drugs. And they're, they're, they're really calling them zombies because they're standing around like this. And they got open sores. And, and they, had, they showed pictures of this guy with maggots and his open sores. And he's just sitting there. And people driving around, down the road in their BMWs thinking they're just throwaway people. It's because they made their own decisions. They did this to themselves. They choose to do this. I've said the same things in my heart. Do you know how close each one of us is to getting hooked on a pain medicine from the doctor and you're just a few weeks from in an alley somewhere but for the grace of God but for the grace of God. There's no throwaway people. We have. We have to get that in our minds and our understanding that that person that you just despise, they're always saying this. They're always, I don't like the way they do church. I, they always saying something. They, they worship differently. I wish they would just leave this church. I, the kind of things I hear. That person was made in the image of God. And if Jesus was here, they would care about that person just as much as they care about you. Because that person is on that same scale, not holy like God, but not evil like the devil. And there ain't much room in between. We're all in this boat together. We're all swimming in the same pool. And when we make it bad for somebody else, we're making it bad for ourselves. God is working desperately to restore you so that you can help restore others. 
not a one of you could be honest with yourself and say, I'm restored. I'm, I got it all together. The closer I get to God, the further away I feel because I know who I am, who he is. Now, if I'll be honest, I, I want him to restore me so that I can help restore others. I want to help people. I want to be a peacemaker, a restorer of the breaches. Second Corinthians, once again to that Corinthian church, in 5, verse 20, in the message paraphrase, puts it like this. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop off the differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. God wants us to drop off the differences. Especially in the church. That should go without saying. Have you ever wondered why God calls it a sanctuary? <laughs> why this is a sanctuary? Because it's supposed to be a place free from that darkness. It's a strife free zone this is supposed to be a sanctuary so what did Jesus do how do we see him behaving I mean I think about how Jesus loved Judas you have to look no further then Jesus chose Judas. Jesus loved Judas. He gave Judas position. He knew Jesus, Judas was stealing out of the bag of money for the ministry. But he loved him. On the night that Judas would betray him, Jesus washed Judas's feet along with the other disciples. And when Jesus sat at the table and said, tonight one of you will betray me, nobody suspected Judas. You know why? Because Jesus wasn't one of those people that, yeah, me and you are good, but you just look at, watch him roll his eyes after he says it. You know, people can tell. You may say one thing, but people know if you really like them or really care about them. And not one disciple in that room, even though Jesus the whole time knew Judas would betray him in the end, he never showed any indication that he didn't love him with his whole heart. Not one disciple had a clue that Judas was going to be the one. Now they all looked at themselves and thought, could be me, is it me? <laughs> because they know who they are on the inside. But they didn't suspect Judas because Jesus loved Judas. And when Judas came to betray him, Jesus stood there and let Judas kiss him on the cheek. Now think about that next time. You, you're just so mad at this person that you can't forgive them. So how did Jesus repair breaches? He put himself in other people's place. Literally. <laughs> he did it literally. He became sin for us. 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5. He became sin for us. He became our sin. He became one of us. Jesus wasn't a, a human being. He's the creator of the universe. He limited himself and was born as one of us. He became one of us so that he could know what we suffered, so that he could identify with us. He put himself in our position. He empathized with us. And that's what he expects us to do. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Like I said, everybody's got a side of the story. And as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times somebody has come to me and they, t they railing on their wife or their husband or somebody and you don't know how they treat me. And when I was a young pastor, I'd be like, well, let's go get them. You, know? you hear their side of the story, it's like, oh my goodness, that's terrible. Let's call the law, you know. And then I go and listen to the other person's side of the story and I'm like, they lied to me, let's get them. <laughs> but the reality is, that there are two sides of every story. And if you want to be like Jesus, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. Think about where they've been, how they got the way they got. What they've been through, why they're seeing things the way they see things. And this will allow you to love the unlovable. I always say pray for people. I have put people on my prayer list that I knew were out to get me that were stone cold my enemies. And after I prayed for them for a few days, I wanted to call them up and say, hey, let's go have lunch. I know you're mad at me. I know you, for some reason you don't like me. I just, I want you to know I'm praying for you. That's what the kind of thing Jesus would do. Do you remember, I was watching The Chosen last night and the, the, the scene where James and John wanted to call down fire from heaven on the Samaritans. You remember that part? He said, Jesus said, you don't understand what we're doing here. <laughs> we came to bridge this divide between Samaritans and Jews. Not to burn them up. <laughs> he, said, he said, let me get this straight. Now, you want, me to, you want me to use God's power to burn these people up? <laughs> don't call down fire from heaven on anybody, okay? <laughs> Jesus gave people the benefit of the doubt hard to do we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt but it's hard to give he said father forgive them for they know not what they do they, you could almost say you knew what them them people knew what they were doing they were professional torturers them Roman soldiers they knew what they were doing but he gave them the benefit of the doubt. Father, they, they don't really know what they're doing. They don't know. They don't really know. And that's what we have to do, especially for sinners. They don't really know. Sinners sin by nature is who they are. Stop blaming them for them. Get them saved. And then God's spirit will begin to change them like he's changing you. Jesus recognized that the real enemy was not flesh and blood, but principalities, rulers, and Spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. That we have an enemy, is called, he's called the devil and his demons and the darkness, the kingdom of darkness. We have an enemy, that's what's controlling the people and that's what Jesus was able to see past. You ever had that person that you can't understand why they would behave like that? You can't understand. They're just being controlled by the darkness. 
And I can't understand why I used to be like I used to be. Man, I, I don't know why I used to do Why did I do that? Because I was a sinner and it was my nature. I didn't know any better. But once the glorious light of the gospel came in, then I had illumination. Then I had the Spirit of God to help me be this better person that I want to be. I have the power now. That's why we, we can't just put band-aids on sinners and help them be better people, better sinners. you got to get them saved. That's the hope for this world. To get people to, to receive the gospel and the Spirit of God on the inside. He recognized the real enemy. And finally I wrote, just to make it simple, he was willing to take our blows. The stripes that he took on his back, that was for me. The nails in his hands and feet, those were mine. The cross that he carried, it was meant for me. He carried our burdens, and he still does today. But he's saying, let those among you who would be restorers of the breach repairers of the breach, why don't you help carry somebody's load today? Maybe just a phone call, a word of encouragement. Why don't, maybe I help this person struggling financially. Are you willing to help take somebody else's blows? True love lays down his life. Let's turn and we're going to close to Isaiah 58. Remember we was reading... This all stemmed from Isaiah, Isaiah 58, and we're going to read verses 6 through 12 where, where that first scripture came from. Remember I said that this is the part where God is saying, you know, you, you call this worship, basically. This, these are the things you're doing. But in verse 6, he turns it around. He says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. This is what God wants. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burdens of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need him. And do not hide from relatives who needs your help? <laughs> then your salvation will come like the dawn. He's just saying treat people good. Treat people the way you would want to be treated. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. And your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call and the Lord will answer, Yes, I am here. And he will reply quickly. He will quickly reply. God will be hearing everything you say. Wouldn't it be nice if you prayed today and got your answer today? Well, let's go back up to the kind of fasting he wants. <laughs> Stop imprisoning people in your mind. Putting them in social media jail, so to speak, in your mind. Let the oppressed go free. Remove their chains. Share your food with them. Give clothes. 
Back to verse uh, 9. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Free the, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, restoring your strength. You will be a well-watered garden like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of the walls, a restorer of the breaches, and a restorer of homes. That's what, that's what God wants is just... Can we all just get along? Can, can we just get along? Can we? We're making it terrible for the old people, for the kids. Isn't there enough smog in the world that we set in these fires? This ain't right. This ain't right. Angie and I came to this church 1997. Many of you know the story. We came for marriage counseling. <laughs> we were on the edge of divorce. And somebody told us Pastor Buddy would counsel us. So we came on a Wednesday night service. And I wasn't saved. But I got saved that night. For the first time, I understood that it was my cross that Jesus was dying on, and it was for my forgiveness. And I was so happy. I was so bound up. I was so... And I was so happy to be free. I was so happy to be free. You know what? We never did get that marriage counseling, and we never did need it. Because when I found out how... Jesus forgave me. I told Angie, I said, I forgive you, baby. Do you forgive me? She said, yes. And we've been together. This, this year will be 30 years now. We got past it. You know, this nation got past the Rodney King riots of 1992 in large part because of a peacemaker named Rodney King. But darkness has a way of encroaching still. Waters have a way of breaching the dams. If somebody doesn't stick their finger in there, if somebody doesn't stand up and be a repairer of these breaches, and that's what we got to do. I want you to, as a challenge today, I, want, I know you've been thinking about some things. I've seen the looks on your faces. I know there's some people in your life that you've kind of marginalized or, or maybe you're just outright in hostility towards. Let the Lord deal with your heart today. It doesn't make you a little person to be the one that says, I'm sorry. It makes you a big person. And let's take that needle from over here and, you know, closer to the devil and his evil. 
And let's move it just a little closer to holy like God today. Let's think of what, I, what we can do to be a peacemaker in our lives. And maybe, maybe you don't have issues with any person. I don't know of any person that I have issues with that I haven't already addressed and prayed for, okay? But I do have prejudices. Certain people, kind of people, get on my nerves. Certain people that believe this way or do this. or Just like everybody. And I want to stop looking at the world like that. Me and them. I want to look at the world as us, all in this same boat together. And I want to be known as a peacemaker and someone who repaired the breaches. When, when the world burns it down, I want this church to go in and rebuild. The moment we start, stop fighting and give in, the devil has won. We have but to enforce the victory. We have but to, by faith, step into the love that shed abroad in our hearts and be the light of this world and our brother's keepers. Can we all just get along? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you want to be right with God, Maybe you know Jesus. Maybe you know that you have a home in heaven. But you've, you've just acted out in the flesh and you, just, you don't even feel saved anymore. Well, then you need to repent. Come back to the Lord. They call that backslidden. Because like I said, if you're not moving forward in the things of God, this world will send you backwards. It will. It will, it will hold you down. It will suffocate you. And push you in the wrong direction. You have to actively continue to move forward in this life if you're going to be more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. So if you found yourself sliding back, but today you want to take a step forward and say, I want to be right with God. Or you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've even said that prayer or whatever, but there was no repentance in your heart. Maybe you're a churchgoer. There's no personal relationship. All that can be restored today. That is Jesus' heart. That is why he came. That's why he gave his life for you. Because he was will He loved you so much that he was willing to die for you. And the, the Father was willing to send the Son. And then the Holy Spirit was saying, let's get them all resurrected. Let's get them all resurrected. Maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit today so that you can have that spirit of love in the fullness that God intends so that you can carry out these good intentions. God is here to do that today as well. Can I get the, the minister team to come up to the front? They're going to be here after the service. We're going to have men and women that you can pray with after the service. Or there's just simply the altar is always here. And it's the killing place, and you lay down your burdens and cares at the altar, and you come make it right with God. If anybody needs to be saved, to give their heart to Jesus, somebody here today was, or myself will pray with you, and we can make it right with God. God is a forgiving God. If you didn't hear anything I said today, God is a forgiving and merciful God. 
And he will forgive you and set you on the right path again here today. So after this service is over, you just come down and you pray with somebody. They'll be here. Or you come to the altar. In the meanwhile, I'm going to let Brother Nicholas come up and, and give the closing announcements. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being my friends. Me and Angie love each and every one of you. You're our brothers and sisters that we get to do life with, and I'm excited about that. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.